Welcome back to Highly Respected. I'm your host, Scott Greer, and today we're going to have another incredible episode for you guys today. So hopefully enjoy. I think it might be a bit shorter one, but anytime I say that, it turns into a very long episode. But I don't know. There was not as many topics as we had last week, but we'll we'll get to them. A lot of, um, you know, the second topic we'll talk about is what's going on with the presidential race latest updates, latest moves, everything of that sort. But the first topic I'm going to talk about is Pride Month has started. And that's happening in the midst of a attempted culture war that conservatives are trying to wage and what that means in the current climate. So I've been wondering in past episodes and a few tweets like what's going to happen with conservatives, you know, wanting to boycott every company that does, um, you know, something excessively pro-trans or maybe excessively marketing LGBT stuff to children? What are they going to do when every company is doing that? But there's, uh, so they're, they're still reacting towards it, but there is a kind of a step back among the corporate world from some of the more excessive stuff, or at least a worry about engaging in some of the stuff due to the Bud Light boycott. Uh, surprisingly, the Bud Light boycott, you know, out of all conservative boycotts that they've done over many years, uh, going back to the NFL, the NFL actually worked for a, a sh- short time when they were uh, turning off the NFL during the anthem protests. That actually worked during Trump's era, but they all gave up on that when the NFL became woker. Uh, they tried to attempt to boycott Nike. Their sales went up. They've attempted Keurig after Keurig dropped ads for uh, Sean Hannity. I forget over the reason why, but they, in 2017, I think it was for supporting Roy Moore or something of that sort. Long time ago it happened. That didn't really turn out. There's been all these attempted boycotts that have not worked. But the Bud Light one is the first one that has worked outside of the NFL boycott, which they abandoned and now uh, are aggressively defending and that <laughs> conservatives are the most aggressive defenders of the NFL. But this is the first one that they've worked and not tried to drop and become aggressive defenders of. And there's been an effect on Target, at least. Uh, Target is worried about the backlash. I mean, that's why they pulled the products, some of the products that were causing the outrage in the first place, particularly the stuff associated with that satanic brand that they were uh, pumping out. (laughs) And I think it was aimed at kids as well. They pulled back on that and they've tried to really, you know, they've taken a step back from some of the stuff they were planning for Pride Month over the fears that they could be uh, Bud Lighted. And Bud Light is really, the Bud Light itself is like hurting, but other Anheuser-Busch products are not hurting. Even though everyone's like is getting, was like trying to fact check. And once again, community notes, uh, which we'll get into later on is like a, is a uh, arm of the DeSantis campaign at the moment. You know, they hit me with a community note when I pointed out that Modella is owned by Anheuser-Busch, but they're like, oh, it's distributed by somebody else in America. And it's like, well, you know, that still helps out Anheuser-Busch. It's not like, oh, wow, they're not helping out any of their product. It's still a part of the Anheuser-Busch empire, even if the distributor isn't. Uh, Anheuser-Busch but it's like and so other products of Anheuser-Busch are not doing as bad like Michelob Ultra um, several others that are owned by them but Bud Light specifically is getting hurt I mean their sales are down for Bud Light and that does hurt Um, well it's not Anheuser-Busch is owned by InBev but so InBev is being hurt by one of their prime products getting hurt in this and the sales going down, which at first I thought the sales wouldn't go down because I've seen 
many other uh, boycott attempts and it always ending up the same you know they start out strong they're like we're gonna hurt this company gillette nike whatever and then they forget about it move on and they promise that these guys are really upset this but this has become so it's become a big issue because one it's become the number one issue for conservatives like bud light and other companies that are accused of going too woke or going full bud light are now the top issue for conservatives like nothing else has mattered like the border crisis gets a fraction of the attention that bud light gets and those related issues it is all but like because people, you know, all these conservative grifters are making um, uh, these stupid videos about the border crisis and like, oh, we're going to own the border. But then they all make videos about shooting up Bud Light cans, which there was a new video of like Benny Johnson buying, uh, you know, like four or five cases of of Bud Light and then going and shooting it up at a gun range. And people are like, this is awesome. And it's um it's really stupid, but we'll we'll discuss that uh, in a more in a moment. So it became the top issue for conservatives. That's why it's had that impact. You know, it's gone even to politicians who are wanting to make a uh, spectacle of this. It's also seeped into the mainstream. Is that this all started over? You know, I'm not using this in like positive or negative way, but it is a miscommunication on Bud Light's part. Is that people perceived? that Bud Light was going to start issuing cans with Dylan Mulvaney's face on him because of the case that was sent to Dylan Mulvaney. And that really was like a final straw for people is that they are going to their gas station or their or their grocery store, they get Bud Light and they see Dylan Mulvaney's face on it. And I think that really outraged people. That's like, that's it, that's the last straw. But of course, those weren't being put out in you know grocery stores and gas stations. It was just one case sent to Dylan Mulvaney. That was a very uh, expensive mistake for Bud Light, is that all that perception. And once that seeped out into social media and got to country stars, and country stars like, I am never drinking this, this is the gay beer, then that had a huge impact on its primary demographic that buys or they want to buy Bud Light and that's the bros and that's like guys into sports like fraternity guys like people it's it's a beer for bros it's a party beer you know that's what it's meant for you know people are uh, not sipping Bud Light to, for relaxation <laughs> I hope not you know but it's not like something it's not a beer like that it's a beer that you're having a party you're got, buying lots of cases and, uh, of a certain beverage and Bud Light would be one of the go-to beverages you would get. But now the bros are you're a game or whatever. You're drinking that. But now all those guys are like, oh, that's the gay beer. I am not drinking Bud Light. And so they're refusing to drink Bud Light whatsoever. And that's due entirely to the impression that Bud Light is now the gay beer and it's producing uh, cases with this uh, transgender person on, on, the, on their cans. And they are not happy with that. But one of the interesting things is that this stuff is not new. Like This stuff has been going on for years. I would say Pride Month or type of corporate America, being fully invested in promoting gay stuff has been around since at least 2015 where every corporation in America changed their logo to a Pride logo to celebrate gay marriage becoming legalized by the Supreme Court. And it's only been developing ever since then. That was June, but now, uh, you know, Pride Month became a high holy month for the left over time. 
I can't remember when it became a full-on like holiday season, the exact year. But by 2019, it was fully a holiday season. It was like you know every corporation was coming out with a ridiculous ad. You know they would even do. I remember Uber or one of these companies had like every sexual orientation made an ad. They even had one for like asexuals and like sapiosexuals, and just like that stuff uh, became like a huge focus for conservatives or not conservatives but for the corporations and you know you didn't see like a lot of conservatives at that time just shrugged they're like ah well go go woke go broke you know (laughs) they had always say that like get woke go broke and that wouldn't you know that was obviously not happening for any of these companies there was no backlash there was no even attempted boycott there was nothing they just kind of let it happen But it's developed over time. And, you know, Pride Month has even gotten worse uh, since 2019. You know, even especially with the trans stuff has become the central focus. And so a lot of and they've done marketing partnerships with like transgender people before and done ads with them. And several companies have done this. So what makes it different now? Why is this all of a sudden become the major issue? Well, it's because conservatism has made transgender or at least conservative media has made transgenders their number one issue out of all issues it has supplanted everything else because you have to remember it's like there was a lot of stuff when wokeness was first being discussed in 2021 it was primarily about critical race theory critical race theory was the primary issue for conservatives in 2021 the gender stuff was there too but it was all combined as like education it's like they're teaching anti-white racism they're teaching white privilege and that stuff but critical race theory has pretty much been totally i wouldn't say totally but forgotten (laughs) in favor of trans stuff and it's moved beyond the schools where it's gone to drag queen shows uh, dylan mulvaney all this type of stuff that's like outside the school system and that's become the primary conservative media uh, object you know and all these companies are now releasing tons of transgender uh, documentaries you know there's what is a woman that's the most famous one but several other companies are trying to do that i know that the like the daily caller has released uh two documentaries on transgender issues i don't think they released any documentaries on anything else in the last few years and there are other news items you know obviously the border crisis and everything else foreign policy global you know global crises that we're seeing but everything has just taken a backseat to trans and drag queens. And that has developed in since, I would say, 2022 and onwards, is that that became the primary media fixation for conservative media. Because uh, you know, throughout 2021, it was like still big, heavily into critical race theory and stuff. And that still gets in play with, um, you know, diversity inclusion and equity which is actually probably even a more accurate term you know the dei uh, i use the die which both of those acronyms like diversity equity inclusion which is actually probably a more accurate term because that's what they're actually trying to teach in these corporate trainings and businesses that's and schools that's the term they use dei not critical race theory and it gives and addressing saying dei is the problem make sure the left cannot wiggle away and like, oh, we don't teach critical race theory. This has nothing to do with this because it's like just a term. But when you say they're teaching DEI, they can't 
they can't hide away from that because all the pamphlets and guidebooks all and the programs itself all say DEI. They can't use another euphemism to wiggle their way out of saying that we don't teach this in the first place. That still gets some attention, but not as much attention, at least from conservative media, as the drag queens and transgender stuff. And that change happened in 2022 because I began noticing is like my whole timeline began just like drag queens, drag queens, you know, some trans marketer or something, you know, Dylan Mulvaney. All these things just began dominating the timeline on Twitter. And and then the fact that you go to conservative media outlets and seeing what they're like really investing heavily into projects, you know, you can see this with Daily Wire and a couple of others. It's all like the transgender stuff and the critical race theory stuff got moved aside. And of course, they're not talking about the border crisis at all. Like, uh, you know, they talked about the border crisis a little bit last month when they uh, lifted Title uh, Title 42. And now the border crisis and now this restriction on migrants is gone, that there's going to be more migrants pouring in. But they've moved on back to, the you know, Bud Light and Target and Kohl's rather than the border crisis. So since 2022, that would become the top issue and it's developed over time is like that's become, you know, even though it was like there in 2022, I don't think it had fully reached a critical mass that people are actually like hyping mad and that this is like their top issue and that they want to strike back at, uh, at what the wokeness that they see around them or the trans stuff that they see around them. And the impetus or the catalyst for this was that impression that Bud Light is now making cans with Dylan Mulvaney's face on it and that was the last straw and that's why they easily that's why they went after Bud Light and Bud Light is easier to boycott than say the NFL or even really Target as well because I mean there's not as many I I made this point in a previous podcast about you know boycotting Target it's like you know what are the other choices I mean if that's the closest grocery store near you or you know convenience store or whatever you know if you're wanting to buy electronics or some other type of item, uh, you know, your options are another grocery store or a Walmart. You know, there's not as many uh, Target competitors as there are beer competitors or beer alternatives to Bud Light. I mean, there's several other alternatives. And people are still buying or drinking other Anheuser-Busch products, but it's strictly, the boycott is primarily limited to Bud Light itself. But that is one of its star products, Anheuser-Busch's star products, as I mentioned before. So it was easier to boycott. It got the message that conservatives want to get get out to that demographic, the consumer demographic that primarily buys Bud Light. That message got out to them that they shouldn't buy Bud Light or that it's now the gay beer. And there are plenty of other alternatives for them to buy. And it had come at this moment where this issue is the top concern for conservatives, or at least conservative media consumers. And what we're witnessing is that conservative media consumers are becoming an interest group that corporations have to keep in mind, at least when it comes to the excessive woke stuff, uh, or really just the excessive trans and, and gay stuff that may be targeted to children, is that they are at risk of alienating them and making a huge scene and creating a huge media uh, spectacle around whatever woke thing that they may be doing, or it's LGBT thing that they may be doing and that companies want to avoid controversy. At one point, it seemed that companies were wanting to court that conservative controversy because it had no had no impact on their market share. And I made this point in a article on that Sam Smith satanic performances that they realized that this would actually help sales of that Sam Smith song. And it did. And 
So that's why and companies would really seem to like they're wanting to piss off and trigger conservatives because it creates more attention for the product. And then people, all these liberals will want to buy it to, you know, own conservatives. And it may I don't know if that was Bud Light's calculation, but it's the thing is, is that liberals are probably not, you know, typical bros. And so they're not the typical audience for Bud Light. And so it had a it backfired. So is this the start of a rollback of all the LGBT stuff? Is this the end of Pride Month? I would probably say no, even though there are some interesting things going on in Florida with now some of these events, uh, some of these Pride marches are uh, limiting what they're exposing because of new rules that uh, Florida and other states have passed that a lot of these Pride marches are now complaining. They're like, we can't do everything we want. But I think a lot of people are getting upset uh, in years past over these pride marches where there'd just be like, you know, complete like uh, inappropriate type of behavior on the part of the march participants, you know, nudity, uh, all this type of weird shit. And then they're like, we want children there. And people were getting really upset about this stuff. And now they're having to, you know, I guess if not have a march, if they have a march, they have to have a more civilized march. Or they just can't have a march at all. And they're just going to have to stand by the rules that everyone else is. Like, you know, a St. Patty's Day march can't have a bunch of, like, strippers showing their breasts to everyone. You know, there would clearly be an uproar. And, like, this is inappropriate for children. But a pride march can have that similar level of shocking behavior, even though there are kids around. And them introducing to weird-ass kinks and shit like that. They can go with that. But due to the new rules about, like... uh, with the drag queen shows for children that other state, the bands on that and that states have done, they're now trying to uh, limit some of the excessive behavior, so to speak. That's probably what the pride month backlash is going to be is that there's going to be a rollback of some of the stuff and they're going to return to like 2018 level pride month. You know, they're not going to, and especially with the companies, like the companies aren't going to do ads with drag queens or some of the worst transgender influencers and they'll just put out like a pride flag and that there has been some evidence of of some greater evidence of pullback from it like the MLB had a pride logo on their Twitter account and then they removed it and went back to the standard MLB logo and the Dodgers and other teams have have been having issues with it probably cuz a lot of these players don't really like the being forced to have to wear all this pride gear and stuff Obviously, it's because they think that, like, I don't want to be seen as gay. Like, these are traditional masculine guys that are like, I'm not gay. I don't want to wear this. And some, they do have strong religious objections. But it's also just that simple instinctual objection that they don't want to look like, uh, they don't want to look like a queer, so to speak. And that's like for these baseball players that are having to force this humiliation of putting, making them wear pride gear. And players are just getting pissed off about this, both in hockey and in baseball and like the teams are like all right we're gonna you know hold back on some of the stuff because they'll obviously and a lot of the players in baseball are evangelical christians are are devout catholics and they don't want to you know and they're getting pissed off about this that they're just not only are they humiliating them on a man on their masculinity on a manhood level but they're also offending their religious beliefs and so I think some of the sports leagues are going to pull back from this. And so it's the same with the corporations. They'll probably just put out, like, every corporation will put out, like, we celebrate pride. And they'll do, like, have a pride logo. And that will be it. 
I think, going forward. I think that they are don't want to risk, uh, you know, loss in sales, a massive loss in sales, just to adhere to this religious holiday, this high holy month of liberalism. So conservatives are showing themselves as a distinct interest group that they these companies have to concern themselves with to not piss off so they don't have a Bud Light thing. So this does set example. How far it will go, I think it'll be a little bit more limited than people think, even though I was wrong about how the effectiveness of this, like as like a complete repudiation of Pride Month, I don't think so. One is like a lot of the American public's opinions on homosexuality and all these issues has completely changed over the last 10 years. I mean, you know, still a majority of the Americans, I think it was still by 2010. I don't know if it was still the way by 2013, but in the very early 10s was still a majority of the public opposed gay marriage. Now it's, uh, you know, 70, they showed 70% support gay marriage it may even be higher Uh, you know some people aren't that bothered by that every other ad features a gay couple they're not going to eliminate that stuff and that's not even really what the complaints it's really just this excessive stuff that's happening and even with republicans the attitudes on gay stuff is just like completely different from what it was even just a few years ago ted cruz is sent a letter to Bud Light demanding investigation into the Dylan Mulvaney ad, which has to be one of the dumbest moves I've ever seen of elected lawmakers. Yeah, it's like bad. It's like a stupid ad, but there's like what criminal activity is involved here? And it's just like it is so peak Republican stupidity is that they're not doing any subs- anything substantive, but they want to have a congressional hearing on Bud Light, which is just like peak idiocy it's very much like a caricature of republican party they're claiming that due to dylan mulvaney have a large youth audience that they're trying to sell beer to underage minors it's not even that they're trying to sell transgenderism to underage minors it's they're trying to sell beer to underage minors which that's the case with all these beer ads like they use rap artists and rock stars and every um, actors with huge youth fan bases to sell their product. Every company does that. Well, cigarettes don't do that anymore, but beer companies do that all the time. And they use athletes and others who have like big, you know, youth audiences. And they never make that argument. It's such a stupid argument, but they're like saying like, oh, look, they know that the Republicans can hype up their base by saying like, look, we're wanting a congressional investigation of Bud Light. And knowing that this is their sole concern, they'll be like, wow, you're really taking it to wokeness by doing this by having a congressional hearing on Bud Light which would be one of the dumbest things ever because also these conservatives don't want to go full on uh, quote unquote homophobic of some sort or transphobic so they would just use hem and haul about why they're so upset about Bud Light even if they did a hearing or investigation but it's also the funny thing is that Ted Cruz is leading the fight against Uganda's anti-homosexuality bill Cruz is strongly condemning that law and and saying that no conservatives and he, and attacking conservatives who are making fun of him for this are like why is this our concern? He's like it's definitely our concern that they're criminalizing homosexuality and making a, a death penalty offense. It's like why the hell do we give a shit about what Uganda is doing? It's like back to um, like what boom Botswana legalized homosexuality, the famous Charlie Kirk tweet, 
And I remember at the time that like DeSantis people, you know, I attacked that and made fun of it. But all these DeSantis pe- are people who are Trump shells at the time who are now DeSantis supporters. Like, why do you care about that? Rick Grinnell's base, like he's uh, launching it. Uh, just don't worry about it. And now, like these people are will attack like Trump and others for being too pro-gay. But at that time, you know, and when it comes to Uganda or African laws, they'll then get all hyped up about it. Like, we got to make sure that they legalize homosexuality in y- Uganda. And it's like, but that's like a part of this culture war. It's like at one time, you know, they signal, I'm not drinking Bud Light. I'm doing a congressional investigation of Bud Light. But at the same time, they're going to make sure that Uganda flies a pride flag. You know, something, uh, that's why it's a very shallow, stupid fight. It's not anything about civilizational importance. It's just like they realize the conservative base is about this. And so they hype it up and talk about it and act like they're doing something. But it's not fundamentally changing um, our society's morals or values or, or even the global American empire's uh, focus. It's still going strong. We're just, uh, you know, retaliating against Bud Light. We're bo- Bud Light boycotters. And this becoming the chief focus, uh, you know, is both very stupid and very hazardous for Republicans because it could make them ignore a ton of other issues. And not on the hazardous thing, you know, I made jokes about saying that you know, when they're seeing all these illegals starting to pour in, it's like, why do you worry about this? They're undocumented Bud Light boycotters. And I could actually see this argument because once it all becomes a part of this new culture war, which is not really challenging the fundamentals of liberalism, as evidenced by all these Republicans who are up in arms about Bud Light also being up in arms about Uganda's law, and none of them actually being serious about rolling back gay marriage or any of this stuff. It's just, you know, a backlash against the excess of stuff and like making this more infotainment for a lot of their audience the new culture war accepts a lot of this stuff i mean look at all the the bud the anti-bud light and the anti-target raps which are you know something that 20 years ago i would not maybe not 10 years ago but 20 years ago conservatives like this is terrible we have to ban this and now they're like woo we've got the bud light raps we've got dudes with face tats like saying they're you're destroying bud light and this is awesome and so they're accepting that. Like the those raps are really show what the demonstrate what the culture war is about. People think it's like, oh, we're returning to American traditions and stuff. It's like, no, this is like the opposite side of of it. Uh, they're both part of the same culture. They're just uh, disagreements over whether their beer can should have pride flags on a pride flag on it. But Republicans can just return to business as normal. They can just be business first, talking about how. You know, there's a lot of hardworking immigrants out there who also want to join in Bud Light boycotts and are they're socially conservative, too. And we need to worry about this. They they all oppose Dylan Mulvaney as well. And that's why we got to let them in. They're undocumented Dylan Mulvaney protesters. And so they can use that argument or they can keep focusing on the same foreign policy proposals, uh, not deliver on eliminating diversity training and all this stuff, all all the important stuff that we care about on the identity issues immigration, anti-white racism, affirmative action, you know, obviously immigration, all those issues that we deeply care about, they could just ignore and return to fiscal conservatism, but then they'll just pull out a Bud Light can and say, I oppose wokeness and shoot it with their desert eagle. You know, that's that's enough to be like, oh yeah, that's as they're strong on the Bud Light question. And that's even what these DeSantis supporters are saying. It's like, Trump hasn't named the Bud Light. Trump hasn't named the Target. And it's like, 
yeah, because they're petty issues that outside of conservative media consumers, people don't give a shit about this. Like people, Bud Light, I mean, they don't want to drink it, but it's not a top issue for them. Like Bud Light and Target are not even in the top 10 or top 20 issues for most voters, but it is the number one issue for conservative media consumers. And, you know, if that becomes their prevailing concern that they can ignore the border crisis, they can ignore anti-white racism in the workplace and et cetera. They can just focus on what companies are irritating conservative media this week. And that's what they want their politicians to focus on. And their politicians are fully willing to be like, I'm boycotting Target as long as they can continue to focus on what matters the most to them. And it's granting tax cuts to Anheuser-Busch and Target. The other issue is it is very fucking stupid. I mean, I have to be honest. Like, people are always like, oh, you're too above it all. Like, that is that. It's like, yeah, it, this is, like, stupid. Like, I, I think it's, on one hand, it has a good thing that people are not buying this product and are sending a message. But the prevailing focus of this becoming the obsession and the production of anti-Target and anti-Bud Light raps and then these grifters getting in and doing these highly produced videos of them shooting up Bud Light cans and them being like, this is my primary motivation is Bud Light. It is fucking stupid. To somebody who is outside of this political sphere, it is going to strike them that conservatives are complete idiots who focus on minutiae and unimportant stuff and they should be ignored. You know, if it's it's a completely unattractive thing, and it's not. It has nothing to do with our civilizational survival or anything of that sort. It is just an entertaining spectacle for people to get hyped up about. Now, like I said, the boycott has had good effect. It is, you know, if it was like one of their minor concerns, if like saying like, okay, we're not drinking Bud Light, but we're still we're going to primarily focus on the border crisis and how anti-white racism is taking over American society. That would be fine. But no, they ignore all the important identity issues to just focus on the Bud Light question and naming the Bud Light. And it's something that is easily, you know, people that all these people can easily just say, hey, don't worry about any other issues. Check out this Bud Light can. And it is, so it is like, it's very much when you see the popularity of these raps and people were doing these raps too for a long time, like fuck Joe Biden raps or uh, let's go Brandon raps. They did have been doing all these raps, and it does create this impression that conservatism as a culture is just something for downscale white Americans, and it is a declining. Uh, it's a it's an ideology for those in declining a status, and not so much income, but declining status, social status. You know, I made this point uh, last year. You know, in a tweet, is like why everyone's recommending you to leave the cities and take not go to college and take some. Blue collar job that can pay you well, but you know you're going to be losing social status and not having as best of marriage prospects and not living and living in a blighted area. And people are about this because it's a it is conservatism increasingly is an ideology for those for d- people on the downscale, people of downscale beliefs. It's a downscale ideology, and this is reflected by the popularity of these like stupid raps. Uh, on on various topics that have come to the fore. And even if you look at some of the icons, you know, a lot of these people are like conservative icons are now like trash. Like Lauren Boebert is complete white trash. She is an idiot, first off. She's a grandmom at 36, okay? And everyone's like celebrating that she was a teen mom and then her son who 
is not marrying the mother of his child uh, became a teen dad and he had you know the the mother of that child was 15 or 16 when the child child was born and then she instead of like you know that would have been like you know distasteful behavior it's like uh, it appears you're not raising your kids right and that you're setting them up for some uh, hardships by doing this but instead she celebrated herself as a grandma and despite being a grandmom at 36 she's also divorcing her husband because they have like a jerry springer-esque uh you know, fa- uh, family relationship with like accusations of abuse and stuff. And she's like the conservative heroine. Like she is the hero, but like anyone who is like standard middle-class behavior be like, this is trailer park behavior, which it is like, she is a trailer park queen. And that's like, but that's like could become more apparent. And even some of these like conservative personalities uh, have demonstrated a lot of behavior. Like there's a lot of uh, single moms who've had kids out of wedlock in conservative media, surprisingly. Um, but there, and I, that may have been always the case. I don't know if it was always the case, but uh, so it, there's a lot of this. It's definitely an ideology of the downscale. And that's why people always encourage like, let's just drop out of college. Don't go to college. Uh, take some other job, move to the middle of nowhere, and just accept like surf status. And it is like the surfs who are rising up who get mad at occasionally some of the products that they really enjoy, whether it's Bud Light or Target, uh, goes too woke for their for their tolerance. But the right, in order to appeal to the people we want, you know, to a type of counter elite, to really smart people who are going places in society, you cannot appeal to them with anti Bud Light raps or claiming that Bud Light is the most important issue of our time because they're going to realize that's like that's idiotic you have to appeal to them to a message that of civilizational renewal is that our struggles are about what type of world we want to live in what type of country we want to live in and to make that world a better place and to inspire them with a, with a vision of a better of a better world of a better place of how we can change this world to make it much better than it is before. I'm using a lot of the same words here, but you guys understand what I'm saying. You really have to have that appealing vision. And right now, conservatives have a vision that I think a lot of people may agree with some of it, but it appeals, it looks so stupid. And it looks just something that, I, I don't want to be like attacking from like white working class or stuff, but it does appeal to or appear to look like that this is like the new trailer park culture and some of that like the trailer park culture is very different from what it was like 20 30 years ago where you know people were thinking rednecks to listen to country music instead it's a wigger with face tattoos and a flat bill hat imitating uh, magic culture and that's unfortunately like trailer park culture now so that's like the conclusion i think it is It is having positive effects that there's now conservatives are rising up against this and maybe these corporations will tame some of the, at least when it comes to gay stuff, because they're not getting upset about the anti-white stuff and and the black worship. That's another thing is like the race stuff. There's like no, there's no mention of that. And some of these companies, like I've always mentioned, or I've mentioned this before when I was talking about Target versus Walmart, is that Walmart is far worse and Walmart is actively pushing anti-white indoctrination courses into rural arkansas schools and that's far worse than well i would say that's like far worse some of the than some of the pride products that uh, target is producing 
or maybe just this like little medallion that's like stupid that they should take out of out of the store. I'm not trying to say that people shouldn't be upset about Target, but I think what Walmart is doing is that they're actively using their corporate funds to ensure that all these kids in rural Arkansas believe in anti-white racism and checks their white privilege is a little bit more concerning than anything than Bud Light teaming up with Dylan Mulvaney. But guess what gets far more attention? It's it's Bud Light's uh, case, Dylan Mulvaney, a case of beer. And they are going after Chick-fil-A a a little bit for the DIE, or I think, I forget if they call it the DIE or DEI uh, vice president that they have, and people are going after them. But there's like, people are pushing back against them. They're like, whoa, whoa, now. Don't go after them for diversity stuff. They're, it's Christ-centered diversity. And they were using this, pointed this out. It's like, they forgot to mention this all their part of the page. And it was saying that, like, all our values are centered around God, uh, which they're a very religious company. You know, they, you know, they don't open their clothes on Sundays. But then that was used as a reason that they shouldn't try to boycott uh, Chick-fil-A because they couch their DEI and Christian rhetoric. Thus, it's okay and, and not woke. And so you saw a lot of prominent conservatives were pushing back against any attempts to boycott Chick-fil-A, even though they've been an insanely woke company where the guy, I was talking about this like three years ago, where the guy, you know, their owner was got down on his knees and began shining a black guy's shoes and telling all white people to do that because white people are guilty of so many sins. And the only thing we can do is either literally or metaphorically shine black people's shoes. And uh, I think that's, but a lot of conservatives will defend them because they're doing it conservatively or in in a way that's appealing to evangelicals. So they're much more accepting of that than they would be uh, of, they would be much more accepting of a company telling all its customers to shine black people's shoes than they would be of a minor marketing partnership with a transgender model. So that's also something to keep in mind is that none of this backlash has anything to do with the identity issues and the things that nationalists primarily care about i mean we certainly care about some of the uh, the social issues but our primary focus is the identity stuff and a lot of these companies can continue to push anti-white stuff and black worship and continue to advocate for more immigration and all these terrible things and not face a boycott but if they do have something to do with dylan mulvaney then they'll face a boycott so on the important stuff, it's not it, uh, this latest cultural war fight has nothing to do with our primary interests. And it's also completely unappealing to smart people. I don't want to say like there's some smart people are into this, but if it's like you're not fully politically aligned with the right and you're not fully immersed in conservative media and right wing Twitter and you see this stuff, you would be like, this is really dumb. <laughs> This is like their overriding concern that they're like shooting up beer cans like what? Like this just seems stupid. And the anti-Bud Light rap. So it's unappealing to the type of people that we need to to win over who are aware of all the problems that they're seeing. You know, they see experience anti-white racism at their college when they're applying for jobs. You know, they know that they may not get a job just because they're white. And they realize and they're upset about this and they're looking for people to share those beliefs. But then they look at the right and they're like, uh, like the carnival aspect of the right. And they're just like, um, you know, what? I might just stay unfocused on politics. <laughs> the carnival clown show circus aspect of the right is there. It's apparent. It likely is a part of Trump. But Trump made it entertaining because he also and he also tied it to the identity issues. And it was a way to reach a lot of people. But now Republicans want to strip it of the identity issues. So we just have WWE circus clown stuff 
over petty the pettiest issues imaginable while all these conservatives still insist on the fundamentals of you know we celebrate juneteenth we love our base transgenders like uh, blair white blair white against it and you know gays against groomers is like become the uh, overriding message of conservatism is that we're pro-gay but the the base gays the anti-woke gays that's who we're in favor of and that's what they'll that's what they say and it becomes this carnival aspect of circus show where it's all this ridiculous stuff and people dress like clowns and everything and just like clownish behavior and like people like Lauren Bober becoming you know stars of the party while at the same time they're actually when you strip away all the clownishness and circus show it's standard old republicanism business first and stuff it's now just with the carnival aspect to distract the base to believe that they're on their side but then it's the same business first bullshit that the republicans have been pushing for years and years and years and that's why the you you know i make this point about desantis is that people vote based on personality and charisma more uh, probably more than they do with policies but the policies are still there but it's also that message is a part of that appeal as well our simple message it has to be i mean trump it wasn't entirely personality but personality played a huge role i mean if he was just there and he's like talking about tax cuts and stuff i still don't think he would have been as popular or standard republican bullshit he wouldn't have been as popular but the personality was a critical to that to make people you know buy into his policy positions or his identitarian focus that he was having in 2016 that was critical to it and you have to remember that the identity issues must come first before anything else uh far more important than the carnival aspect of i guess they are owning the libs by pointing out that democrats are the real homophobes or democrats are the real racists as ted cruz is still indulging in you know it's all if they'll own democrats for not being sufficiently liberal enough and they can release a rap song about it and people are like, oh, this shows a new Smash Mouth right wing, the new Smash Mouth GOP. And at the same time, the real focus is the same old bullshit that they've always been behind. That's why you really have to keep that focus on the identity issues. And if the identity issues are nowhere present in this fight and even being ignored and sidetracked as they are with this new culture war fight that conservatives want to wage... Then you have to ask yourself, like, is this necessary? Does this really concern us? Is this a good thing? And that's why I view the Bud Light boycott with some skepticism. Even though it is having effect, it is moving the right in a direction where they ignore the important identity issues. And they focus on this petty stuff of just like, we, we ensured this beer company no longer uses drag queens in their ads. Like, huge win. We're still promoting homosexuality in Africa and in this country itself. And there's still gender ideology and education. And there's anti-white racism everywhere. And they're still allowing illegals and legal immigrants to pour into this country. So, like, a huge win, I guess. And they're still censoring uh, right-wing dissidents and kicking them off TV. Like, with Tucker Carlson getting fired from Fox. I still think that Tucker Carlson getting fired from Fox is... A bigger deal than Bud Light, you know, suffering sales shortage, but conservatives don't want to admit that. So that is it for that topic. I talked a lot, a bit about it much longer than I thought, but yeah, I, I, I another conclusion. I keep saying in conclusion on this because I keep having different thoughts on this. In conclusion, 
yes, it's having an effect. I was wrong that it would not. I'm honest enough to admit I was wrong that it would not have any effects. But I think that they are stupid in, in stressing how important it is and how much it, damage it can do. And that we have to remember what's really important, and it's the identity issues, and the identity issues are not apparent here. And a lot of this new culture war is done to push aside the identity issues so they can just return to the same old Republican platitudes. But now it's with a carnival atmosphere, and they're no longer drinking Bud Light. Now on to the latest from the presidential race. I know people wanted to hear this because... You know, a lot of people have liked uh, Governor DeSantis appearing on Highly Respected, and he had some great moments this week. So we'll we'll replay them through, uh, you know, my own interpretation of them. He had a great moment where he's asked, how do you pronounce his name? Is it DeSantis or DeSantis? He's like, you know, it doesn't matter what you say, pronounce my name. You know how, you will know how to pronounce my last name. It's pronounced Winner. In Florida, we don't care if you say DeSantis or DeSantis. Everyone just knows me as Winner and as Mr. Casey DeSantis. It is very weird with uh, DeSantis that he can't uh, decide what how to pronounce his name. You know, he could just simply say, It's Ron DeSantis. Or he could just say, You can pronounce it however you want to. But instead, he goes with this horrible line, like, pronounce it as winner. Like, he really is Michael Scott. Like, I don't like, actually, I actually don't like office references. I don't like the office um, obsession of our culture. But I have to indulge it here because he is like Michael Scott. But a less, a far less funny and less endearing version of Michael Scott. Like, Michael Scott is clueless. He always says idiotic stuff. He doesn't have charisma. He's promoted beyond his station. Uh, and that's one of the jokes of the companies that he shouldn't have been promoted to manager. He was like effective at a lower level, but he's not a good manager. And that's like part of the joke shows humor. And it's the same with DeSantis. Like DeSantis is an okay governor, but he is not, he is being promoted far beyond his level. And he's the same way with like Scott, like he makes idiotic statements. He just doesn't know how to connect with people. He suffers a personality flaws, but the difference is like Michael Scott is at least unintentionally funny. I guess DeSantis is unintentionally funny, but you have to bake him so. So he's at, he had an, they tried to have an epic moment for him this week when like a transgender protester or somebody like tried to interrupt, and he kept looking down at his podium, which I don't know if it was stage or not, or maybe they knew that there would be a protester that they could create a, a viral moment, and he tried to you know be he's like. Hey, you know, stop that. You know, in Florida, we're not going to allow you to indoctrinate our kids. And it's like he's they're trying to have like an epic moment for him. And they even tried to do a meme video for him with like this uh, electronic music in there. But it's like low energy electronic music. And they throw Disney stuff in there. And it's like the Trump owns. And it's just so inartificial. Uh, artificial and forced memes that they have for DeSantis that are, you know, cannibalizing old memes from the like dissident right era or the alt-right era. You know, there's like the vaporwave stuff, like the red eyes and the, like all that stuff is like old. And that's not just like limited to DeSantis. That's like a lot of the like kind of mainstream right people. Like one of the worst examples I saw 
I, these people are not DeSantis supporters. Some of them are actually Trump supporters, but they're still cringe nonetheless. And it's like the post-liberal types, you know, so Rob Amari, Adrian Vimol, these type of Catholic integralists who are still around. Like they, I thought they kind of hit their peak all, like a year ago or a year or two ago, but they're still around. And they stole this meme from White Boy Summer, which is a two-year-old meme, by the way. It's from 2021. And they're like, we're now doing post-liberal boy summer. And they have this meme that has vaporwave aesthetics. And they have these random people that you're like, who is there? Like, the only person I really recognize was Sorab Amari. And then they have books there, and they're all slopped together. And the, even the, the font looks lo- low effort. Everything about it is, like, low effort and all just, like, old-ass memes. I'm like, this is a fresh meme, post-liberal boys summer. And all the people who are involved in it like, this, let's go. We're so back. And it's, like... Uh, you know, re- repurposing these memes and language from the dissident right and from the meme sphere and using it for, you know, more mainstream right purposes. And it just doesn't work because it's just like forced artificial and everyone was dunking on this attempt to be like that. And it's also like what post-liberal boy summer sounds up. It does sound like have a very homosexual tone to it uh, as well. I don't know if you should do along with that. But that will be like the same type of memes with DeSantis people. And some of these people like believe that they invented Vaporwave in 2021. Like Dave Reboy was claiming that. He's like, uh, there was uh, like a left-wing event. They did some Vaporwave event uh, in like 2021. Then they noticed a left-wing event also had Vaporwave aesthetics. And they're like, they're stealing our, they're stealing our aesthetics. And it's like, this is old. This is like in 2021, this is like from 2015, 2014, when that was new and fresh. And in 2021, it's not fresh at all. But they just take all these old memes. They dig them up and try to reanimate them and then claim them as their own. And that's what they're going to have to do with DeSantis because, you know, they don't have the genuine meme creators that they did. They're having to rely on these people who are Mitch McConnell supporters because like Prison Mitch, that account... Terrible meme account, which is all about how awesome Mitch McConnell is, cocaine Mitch, and always promotes like establishment line, is now like the only like slightly decent meme account they have. And all they're appealing to are people who think Mitch McConnell is awesome and they loved a comfortably smug and that type of garbage. It's not people coming from the genuine distant right. Like the people who really like DeSantis from the distant right who who are really into him are all the older, like offline people who can't make a meme if their life depended on it. But what the audience wants is like uh, more Ron DeSantis takes. So we'll see what he says. You know, I wonder what Ron DeSantis thinks about uh, Trump not naming Target and Bud Light. You know, the most important issue to me is Bud Light. You know, I am not going to allow Bud Light to be sold in Florida. You know, we don't allow wokeness. You know, in Florida, that's where woke comes to die. But based, I've heard this term used by my young supporters of base. They say based Ron, and I'm now based, but I want to say woke comes to die, but base comes to live in Florida. I have a feeling he will say base comes to live. If Ron DeSantis says he will absolutely say base because he's like, I've got to appeal to my young voters. They want to hear based. And they're like, oh, Mr. DeSantis, are you based? And he's like, well, my wife says I'm based, so I guess I am. And 
That's DeSantis for you. I guess I shouldn't do a whole segment of DeSantis impersonations, but uh, people really like them. I was thinking about doing an interview, but I don't. Um, we'll we'll have an interview with the governor soon. I wanted to do the culture war segment because I will see there will probably be more some DeSantis moments going forward. But going back to the presidential campaign and what's going on, uh, you know, just some updates. Trump announced in a terrific idea last week with uh, ending birthright citizenship, but the DeSantis campaign began attacking him, but they didn't offer their own plan to end birthright citizenship. And birthright citizenship is crucial to the immigration issue. And Trump is leading on the front on when it comes to dealing with illegal immigration. He should say more about legal immigration and what he wants to do on there. But when it comes to illegal immigration, he has the two best ideas for this. Mass deportation, which you have to do, and Republicans don't want to mention. They just talk about securing the border, which is nice, but what do you do with the illegals here? You have to make an example of them. You have to deport a lot of them. And you don't even really have to do like a whole military operation. You just have to have a few examples, you know, raid a chicken factory that is employing a ton of illegals or just make a big show of of that you're going to deport them. And a lot of these people will deport on their own. And Trump is the only one issuing about how we're going to have the largest mass deportation effort in, in American history. And just him saying that and him having a few examples of them doing some you know high-profile deportations will scare illegals and make them leave the country. That's, that's, that's self-deportation or enforcement through attrition. That's a strategy that a lot of people were touting back in the 2010s, but it hasn't gained as much attention. It's all just like securing the border and that, but like what to do about the illegals that are here. And the other thing to do about illegals is birthright citizenship, is that these illegals can come to this country, have a child, and that child will be a U.S. citizen. Even though that child may not learn English, may have no real attachment to America, they're an American citizen due to the soil that they were born on. And that allows these illegals to have a permanent foothold in this country. And Trump wants to eliminate that. And this was a long-term conservative plan. And he wants to do it by executive order. Now you may say executive order might not hold up in court. But probably the only way we're going to ever get rid of executive or birthright citizenship is by executive order because Congress is never going to pass a bill to eliminate it. The only way it can happen is a president sends an executive order to scrap it, and then it gets sent to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court makes a new ruling about birthright citizenship. Birthright citizenship is only due, is only a fact because of the Supreme Court ruling about it in the late 19th century about a Chinese um, a Chinese Ameri- or Chinese uh, American who was trying to sue over their citizenship status. That's the only reason why that it's seen as the law of the land is because the Supreme Court ruled on it. So if the Supreme Court ruled it into being, then the Supreme Court can rule it out of being. It's the Supreme Court's interpretation of the 14th Amendment that's why we have birthright citizenship or that it applies to illegal aliens. There could be a way that it could be, you know, illegal alien, the children of illegal aliens. Maybe it would be even maybe there may be exception for other immigrants of some sort that they would get citizenship or what have you. But there could be a way to ensure that illegal aliens, the children of illegal aliens have are not granted citizenship and that there are changes to birthright citizenship. And the only way to do that is to have an executive order and send it through a legal battle to where it gets the Supreme Court. That's where it's going to happen. You're not going to have enough votes in Congress for the time being to do that. And only Trump's proposing that. And DeSantis people are not. And, you know, I assume DeSantis people oppose birthright citizenship. 
But they have to, you know, anything that they're going to be doing is catching up to Trump and following his lead on this issue. And only Trump is bringing up this issue that is critical to the illegal immigration. So that's one news item. Other news item is a ton of candidates are about to jump in. Mike Pence, the North Dakota governor, and Chris Christie are all set to join in soon. Uh, Pence and Christie are announcing this week. I don't know when the North Dakota governor is. The governor's name is Doug Burgum. And they're all jumping in because uh, I think all this calculation is these people think that Trump may drop out and they all recognize that DeSantis is a far weaker candidate than he's been touted in as conservative media. And all these guys think that they want to they all want to do the Iowa strategy that DeSantis wants to do is that they go visit every county. They introduce themselves to people and they win over locals. Now, DeSantis is not going to do a good job of that. The thing about DeSantis is everyone thinks that the more you get to know of him, the more you're going to like him. And that's happened with a lot of presidential candidates, is that people would have scoffed at the idea of voting for this person. This happened with Trump back in 2016. This has happened with Bill Clinton back in 92. This happened with Jimmy Carter back in 76. You know, there's a lot of time where people are like, oh, I wouldn't vote for this guy. And then over time, like, they get to know him, they get to meet him, and then like, you know what, I may vote for this guy. And that's like the DeSantis impression is that the more that people get to know and see of DeSantis, the more they're going to like him. They're going to see of him. But the thing is, is like he has had so much media satur- saturation and this media crafted image of himself that crashes when it meets reality. He is not the charismatic figure that his fans want to make him out to be. The more people see of DeSantis, the less likely they're going to want to vote for him. And all these candidates with much better personalities and and knowing how to talk to people are going to be much better suited for the uh, that Iowa strategy of going around and meeting people, giving speeches, and winning them over. Pence like may have a good strategy here because he's a devout evangelical. You know, he can strike people as like he's a good man who understands us. The way he talks and is like. Uh, personal level i mean he may doom himself due to the fact that all trump supporters hate him and he can't win over trump supporters but he can win over a line of people who maybe like trump but want to move on to something else and i don't think he's going to engage in the type of attacks the bitter attacks that desantis is now going to get into that his online supporters want him to go and they want him to be full bore never trump but from the right but there's no audience for that outside of twitter and the online sphere it's just limited to twitter in real world, all those people are very right-wing or very pro-Trump as a constituency. And, I mean, maybe he can win over Wignets, but that's like the only online group that really cares about these issues that hates Trump. But they're not that large enough to be a base to support on or base to get you elected in Iowa. And so he's going to go around, talk about his record, and be sanctimonious. Like, D. Sanctimonious actually turned out to be true because he is very sanctimonious about his record. He's like, well, I did all these things in Florida, and Trump did nothing in Washington, and it's like my record in Florida. And he just talks about himself, and it, there's a sanctimony to him. And Trump, you, everyone thought, like, the sanctimonious doesn't really, you know, doesn't sound like good. But now people are picking up on it. They're like, they're seeing how he talks on this campaign trail. It's like... No, this is awfully sanctimonious. Like, maybe Trump had a point that he understands. Like, he really, Trump has an incredible people IQ of, like, knowing people and knowing their weaknesses and knowing what's off-putting about them and, and attacks against them. He really has a special talent for that. And some people thought he was falling off as a sanctimonious, but I think that may latch on and more people are going to be like, I don't want to vote for this, like, sanctimonious autist. Like, it's not going to be there. 
There's even a, a funny article in Politico where it came out as like autism activist advocates are worried about the campaign and everyone calling DeSantis autistic, which is showing just how like bad his campaign is going. As so the fact is, he probably doesn't have autism. He's just like really bad at social skills. And that's not good for your it's really not good for your presidential run that you're trying to present yourself as charismatic and and somebody who can really relate to people if news uh news articles are being printed about how you may be possibly autistic. <laughs> so that's why all these other candidates are getting in. They all think they can actually succeed in the DeSantis strategy. And they might because Trump may be saddled. Even if he doesn't drop out, he may be focused on his legal issues that he can't campaign as much as he wants to. And maybe some people will you know, worry about these legal issues that he maybe can't run for president or win as president. And they may look to other people. But if there's like eight 10 other people doing the same strategy, you know, that vote's going to be split and it's just going to help Trump. You know, maybe there's like one person who could emerge out of that field, but I don't know who it is. I mean, as long as Trump stays in the race, he will win the primary. He could lose Iowa and some other primary states, but I think over time he's probably, he's still going to win. They can't, they can't overcome the Trump, the Trump uh, devotion among the base. And there is an unfair standard for this, is that Trump can viciously attack all these people, and it could probably boost him. You know, the DeSantis attacks are not hurting him, or his attacks on DeSantis are not hurting him. But DeSantis' attacks on Trump are going to hurt him because people have a stronger emotional attachment to Trump than they do to DeSantis. And Trump makes his attacks on DeSantis really funny and like entertaining, while DeSantis sounds sanctimonious, which is not appealing to people. So I think there's going to be more candidates to jump in. Youngkin is likely jumping in uh, now, even though he said he wasn't. He So he may jump in. Pompeo may change his mind, too, to jump in. I haven't seen news reports about that, but he may jump in. If Youngkin's reconsidering, I could see Pompeo reconsidering as well. Because Pompeo was all set to go, um, you know, last year, like fall of last year, right after the election. And into the early months of this year. But then he just suddenly announced he's not running. Uh, but he could change his mind as well. I mean, if Youngkin changes his mind <laughs> quickly, I think that Pompeo as well. And all these people jumping in is bad for DeSantis. Because DeSantis's only hope is that he becomes the great Trump alternative. And, you know, people rally behind him. They get to know him for some reason. They And somehow getting to know him makes people want to vote for him. And that's how he wins the election. But with all these other people gonna jumping in, they're all going to be taking up some of that anti-Trump vote, and he's going to be losing his support. You know, the announcement bump hasn't happened. Really, you're going to see his numbers go down. I could see them go down to single digits at the end of the year because of how many people are getting in. And the more people get to know him and see him, and the more gaffes and weird moments he has, and the more him talking, you know, he's going to decline in the polls. But he is running an extremely online campaign. I mean, they've invested more into ensuring community notes is an arm of the DeSantis campaign than ensuring that DeSantis connects with voters. I mean, the, the, the community notes is outrageous how much it's like DeSantis, just like the DeSantis line on everything. It's just the DeSantis rapid response teams or replies to anything that they may not like and you could have seen this with vivek ramaswamy who finally became the first public figure prominent figure to call out desantis for his hate speech law and then the community notes and all these 
DeSantoids are like, no, it wasn't a hate speech law. It's about protecting religious free expression. It's like, yeah, I'm sure religious freedom is very much impacted by a, a stupid leaflet dropped on someone's lawn or somebody going and giving an offensive speech on a college campus. Yeah, religious freedom is really impacted by that. And these people are so full of shit and that they're so desperate to be shills for DeSantis that they went and claimed this bill that is designed to stifle speech this constitutionally protected speech that turns nuisances nuisances into hate crimes. And they claim it's about fucking protecting religious freedom. And they always try to say, it's like, oh, it's just about religion. No, the bill itself mentions racial and ethnic discrimination as well. It's not just re- religious discrimination. They try to do that to win over Christian conservatives who think that, you know, if there's like some anti-Christian display on their property, that that would be, that, that that's what they're focused on. But it's not. It's about protecting already minority groups and ensuring that no one can dare criticize them or upset them and that we can use the state power to now throw people in jail for, you know, a felony for their constitutionally protected speech. It's Some of the stuff is stupid. A lot of it's annoying. A lot of it's nuisances. But it's constitutionally protected speech. And I'd rather have nuisances in our society than hate speech laws. And Vivek called it out. And guess what? The DeSantis rapid response team via the community notes was able to fact check him on this. And Vivek, you know, threw, you know, a fit, a righteous fit and got it taken down. But these all these DeSantoids are still claiming that they're lying about this about this bill. But You know, free speech is one of the most important issues to us and that we really have to preserve the First Amendment. It's like a core part of our appeal. And it's how we survive in current America is by our First Amendment. And anything that goes against the spirit of the First Amendment and limits speech is bad. It doesn't matter if this you think this is only going to appeal to a few idiots in the Goyam Defense League who are... I don't know, with a bullhorn, you know, going to a bullhorn with a, to a Jewish retirement community. It doesn't matter if you think that those are is, is because this empowers liberal DAs to go after anyone they view as a political enemy. You can go after anyone protesting over illegal immigration or passing out leaflets or even putting a Trump sign on someone's lawn. That could be counted as hate speech and these liberal DAs would go after. And DeSantis people would probably love that they arrested like Trump supporters who planted like Trump uh, support uh, leaflets on somebody's lawn or some or on private property. They would love that. So it's good he's finally getting called out on that. But it's also their whole campaign is extremely online and focused on winning Twitter battles and paying. I don't They have to be paying a lot of these people. Or at least promising them rewards by shilling for them on Twitter. And they're so focused on Twitter and the online sphere and being extremely online and focusing on those extremely online issues that conservative media consumers care about. While you know his strategy is based on reaching offline grass touchers in Iowa who are not concerned with community notes. Community notes cannot fact check the polls. They cannot fact check uh, Trump's charisma or fact check claims about DeSantis' charisma. They come face to face with reality and all the Twitter influencers and community notes cannot save DeSantis in that situation. Now I have a cognitively question that deals with the presidential race, so we'll get into that. As a reminder, you too can get the power to ask me questions or suggest guests and topics if you sign up for the cognitively option at highly respected Substack, and that's at highly respected dot substack 
Com and make sure to sign up for the IQ supplements while you're there. And so this question comes from Dave, and Dave asks, he's heard media chatter saying that does Trump and DeSantis may avoid the debates and most of the media attention's on Trump. And he asks, who do you think will benefit the most from being in the debates or and benefiting the most from avoiding the debates? Of those two, I think the debates would benefit Trump the most because even though all the questions would be about him, they would all be trying to trip him up. You know, he had the same debate issues back in 2016 and even the presidential debates in 2020. It's like he got the hardest questions. He got that. But he knows how to parry these questions back and forth. I mean, look at how he, well he did the CNN town hall. DeSantis could have never done that. And he had the crowd audience in his favor. And any Republican audience that would get now versus 2016 would be largely sympathetic to Trump. It would probably be won over to his side. And he could just like destroy all the other candidates. He loves having these foils to like bully and to humiliate and just go after. And he, he gets, you know, that really gets him a lot of energy. So I think Trump would benefit the most. But oddly enough, DeSantis would benefit, you know, even though his supporters don't want to admit this, he would benefit the most by avoiding this because he is not good on thinking on his feet. He is not good in that debate style, like getting tough questions and having to, you know, not having his note cards around and not having his like supporters around to shill and to frame it as like a winning thing. You know, he even saw that in debates with uh, when last year in his gubernatorial race. You know, he's like the only donkey I'm interested in beating is the one on this stage, and, and like these lame comments he has. He is not going to look good. And if he's on the same stage with Trump, Trump is going to go all and out into humiliating him. And once he has like a target for humiliating on the debate stage, he is relentless. I mean, he did that with Rand Paul. He did that with Jeb Bush. He did that with all these candidates on back in 2016. And he can relive that. And DeSantis is his top target. And DeSantis is not going to know what to do because DeSantis is very awkward in these situations. And he's and Trump is going to make him far more awkward for him and make him look weak and make him look like he's getting bullied. And he destroyed Jeb Bush's campaign by bullying him and making Jeb Bush to be out this dork who can't resist being bullied by Chad Trump. So it would benefit Trump. But Trump may think that he may avoid it because he has such an overwhelming advantage over the other candidates that he doesn't want to bring himself down to the level of giving these candidates other opportunities to you know, have an opportunity at him or maybe have an opportunity for a mistake of some sort. So he could, of the two candidates, he benefits the most by participating in the debates. But I can understand why he would avoid them because he would just you know, bringing him down to the level of, you know, debating with somebody who has 2% support in the polls, you know, why do that when he's like the clear favorite? And it's not going to impact him either way. Uh, who would be, out of all the candidates who would probably benefit the most from debates is probably Vivek. Vivek has charisma. Vivek know, is smarter than a lot of them. And Vivek knows how to, and Vivek would use that opportunity to the full extent to go after candidates and point out their weaknesses and then highlight his own strengths. Vivek out of all the candidates would benefit the most from having a full presidential debate with all the candidates there. DeSantis, is, all the debates are going to hurt DeSantis based on his personality. And he's, once again, if he's just citing off his record and how awesome he is, he comes off as of sanctimonious. So I don't think that will work in his favor. And he's going to have to think on his feet. And that's not one of the strengths. 
So that is my view on debates. And that is this today's episode of Highly Respected. A little bit shorter than usual, but not that much shorter. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. We're going to have another incredible IQ supplement later this week. It's actually an IQ supplement I've been meaning to do, but there's been other news items that have come into play that I've had to focus on those topics. So hopefully I will get to this topic for this IQ supplement this week. And we'll have another great column from Highly Respected on Highly Respected Substack this week as well. So be on the lookout for that. So until next time, stay respected.